everybody. Welcome to Podcast of the Gundam Heroes. We're here for the final episodes covering episodes 49 and 50. Uh, both extremely good. Turn A is good. This is the first time we're recording this intro. I definitely didn't fuck up. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hello. It no, seems that cycles have been if repeating. We ca- if we catch the error in the first five minutes, then it's not even an error. It's just warming up. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> how's it going, everybody? With me again, as always, Kuvo, Serene Dragon, Vickis. Hi, everyone. Hello. Um, Hello. Yeah, really good episodes. Uh, Vickis, want to take us away and uh, do the intro that you definitely are doing now for the first time only ever. Straight off the top of my head. Uh, Rip Sid Mead. Yep, he uh, passed away between our recording sessions and he was a cool guy, I guess, maybe. I don't know. He did cool work anyway. I don't know about his politics, but I like his robots. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty good. That's the Gundam essential. I don't like the politics, (laughs) but I do like the robots. (laughs) <laughs> Gundam turn A. I don't know how I feel about. <laughs> Wait, no, but that's I rather Quinn. like the robots. Oh, that's Quinn. Yeah. I, I don't care about. <laughs> I don't care about ethics. Just give me the robots. Give me the robot. Oh boy. <laughs> so episode forty nine. Uh, we start with a recap of Diana returning to the Salel. Uh, Lauren talking to Gwen on the Wilgum, which went pretty badly because it turns out Gwen's gone full evil now. But they did manage to escape, and they did steal the Turn A Gundam back from Gwyn, who had stolen it from them. Uh, mostly Joseph swinging in Tarzan style, stealing it back. Yes. Yeah. It was beautiful. God. <laughs> Joseph, for, you know what, for all the flaws Joseph has, and there are many, he goes all in. He really wants to be Han Solo, and I have some respect for that. Like, he does something later on that's some of the most Han Solo shit ever, and it's awesome. Yep. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the title of this episode is Moonlight Butterfly. Oh no. Um, we start with Mary Bell and a bandit and Swetson and a Mahiru fighting the Diana counterforces. Swetson's super happy that the Dark History has made everyone fight because this is basically his entire character. Uh, he's uh, pumped to be fighting and he thinks he's a samurai or something. I don't know. He's weird. Yes, he's all about the samurai spirit. Which kind of makes sense because the samurai class did get very fat and lazy uh, when there weren't any wars to fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. So very accurate. Back at the Diana Counter headquarters, uh, Corin and basically like walks past Poe and strong arms her along, uh, while Phil tells Bruno and Jacob to tell the militia to make a better fa- to make Turn A fight more get more better gooder. Um, but they say that Lauren isn't piloting the Turn A. I'm like, oh no, this is bad. Joseph, Joseph, get out, get out of it, give it back. Turns out Joseph has like not left the cockpit since they stole it. Um, yeah, he w- really wants to fight top tier for once. So, mm-hmm. which fair enough, but come on, dude, we're at war here. Uh, they, the Bruno and Jacob, take a wad and a bunch of supplies back to the whales, which is the purple battleship that uh, everyone came back to Earth on. Blue, light blue battleship. Um, they tell Harry that Phil, like what Phil said, Harry says that he'll try to get Lauren back into the turn A soon, but Joseph's a bit territorial. Um, and Bruno and Jacob want to join Wales because Phil's treating them badly. They're, they're basically being a go-between because I guess they don't have radio signals right now. They mentioned that a bit later. Yeah. Bruno and Jacob have like a bad resume thing going. Like they keep getting in jobs where like their bosses just hate them and Mm -hmm. they just, (laughs) they need to get something better working for themselves. Corin would put in a good word for them if he was lucid for more than 30 seconds. <laughs> He's 
actually fairly lucid for this episode. True. He's actually fairly sweet in this episode. Yeah. yeah when, when shit gets real and things get to getting, Corin pulls it together pretty nice. <laughs> yep. Uh, at the war zone, Fran is shock and awe taking photos. She tells Lauren that Joseph doesn't want, or that Joseph doesn't want him being Lauren piloting the turn A. It's his mech. Give it back. And she's like, I hope it's not because he's a moon person. Lauren's like, it, it's because we're moon people. Um, Joseph's still a bit low-key racist about that. but It's just a touch. Um, she also mentions the turn A doesn't have work at, at peak performance without the cockpit because uh, Joseph is still using the sumo cockpit that the other forces fit onto the, uh, or the, fit onto it. Uh, we cut back to Gwen and Jim talking. This entire shot is Dutch angles. The entire thing. <laughs> it's so good. Every time they go into his cockpit, it's like that. And it's, I love it. It's the only way they, they can really get. want to make sure you, you need to understand the confusion yes. and madness Jim is going through. So they really Dutch the shit out of those angles. <laughs> I think it's awesome because like every single time they show him in the cockpit, he has his feet up on the dashboard and it's like they so can't good. just fit it without it being diagonally. So, <laughs> uh, so Gwyn gave him a bunch of the farmland but Jim's really mad that he lost the turn A because, yeah, that doesn't quite make up for it. Gwyn doesn't care because he wants to mass produce the death machine. Uh, they talk a bunch of strategy, try to push the di- to push Diana counter out. Meanwhile, back on the uh, resistance base, Corrin has somehow managed to rope some mechanics into giving him a red copule with a gigantic fist and the drill club that used to be his... And that Lauren briefly had. I, I like that the drill club has had continuity throughout the entire show. Yeah, like I get the drill I club. Also, I love the idea that Corin was like, "Yeah, there was this legendary war hero. He just painted all of them red because it went faster." I don't know. <laughs> if you <laughs> notice, <laughs> if you actually notice, the top of his copul has that little like fin thing that uh, Char's Zaku had too. Yes. <laughs> like I get where he got the club back. I don't know where he got the giant fist. It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, you um, just find giant fists everywhere, right? You got it from, like, Mazinger or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Poe is like, all right, whatever, dude. You can fight with that couple, but go ahead. And he is super happy to be back in a back in a suit for this. Yeah, he literally grabbed her from uh, Phil er- earlier in the scene and is like, look at this thing I made. Can I go fight? And she's like, yeah, yeah, just whatever. Get out of my hair. And so Yeah, he yeah. basically built it in one night with these mechanics. So, oh, boy. Uh, we also get the Louisiana troops showing up with, uh, they have these, like, big cargo planes, uh, kind of similar to the ones in Wing that they transported Gundams in, except they suck. <laughs> uh, we have a shot of one landing and both of its wings break off. It reminds and, me of those, like, World War II gliders, like the yeah, like, cheap basically. wooden ones they made. Yeah. <laughs> and Maligan and Lily are in a plane behind it. Uh, and she's like, boy, this thing doesn't have any of the amenities. Why didn't you put curtains up in the cockpit? He's a little bit uh, put off by that, but they managed yeah, not to Yeah, she's just kind of like, you realize I decided not to come in the big transport ship for this. <laughs> in the space-age ground ship. Yeah, basically like, I left the very nice high-end RV we could have been in, and instead am just... In yeah, like I'm just in a helicopter. This is dog shit. I didn't uh, realize being in a helicopter was dog shit. It's loud and windy and it sucks. <laughs> um, so then we have a hard cut to Lauren and Joseph in a fist fight in the turn A cockpit. Uh, Fran is yelling at him at Joseph from the flat that he needs to give it back to him, but Joseph 
literally fucking yeets Lauren out of the cockpit <laughs> as it's like 50 feet in the air with Fran only like, barely catching him in the flat. Yeah, like lethal threat thrown out yeah. of a cockpit. Lauren like, would have died yeah. if he it's hadn't It's funny too because like he does it, he's like, oh no. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he does have an oh shit face when, he's, when it happens, but he that, but then he's like, nope, this is mine. Uh, but Lauren is like, Look, if you need to, if the Turnex comes for you, fine. If you're gonna take it, if the Turnex comes, go out to the sea. We can't have it murdering everyone. Uh, Joseph then stands <laughs> up in the cockpit and yells to Lauren, "Protect Fran because she may be a mother." And just like looks her straight in the line in the eyes, like she's so pissed. We fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he directly says, he's just like, she may be carrying my unborn child, and like winks at her, and then Fran just is like, you fucking wad, why would you say that? And he's why just like, Why did yeah. I sleep with Joseph? Oh my why? god. Why? Why did I fuck this man? There's some real like type A alpha shit going on in this cutscene, this scene here. It's like really, it's ridiculous. Oh my god. Um, and, like, everyone is clearly put off by this. Everyone's yes. like, Man, really? <laughs> yeah, Lauren, like, side-eyes Fran, like, you fucked that guy? Really? You that? <laughs> Back on the Salel, uh, Mirren and Diana are getting made aware of everything by Phil. Jim is coming with his army. Um, he talks to... Her... We're negotiations with Gwen. So... Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what that oh, is, sorry. They've stopped negotiating with Gwen because he basically wants the moon race to uh, destroy itself. So, like, basically... He's been trying to play them against each other this entire time, so he's kind of a dead end. He's an idiot. Sid is there, uh, serving tea, and he's kind of like, man, I wish I was doing some mining now. Um, I am an archaeologist, that's what I do. Yeah, it's kind of funny they brought him in to be basically a butler for this scene. Yeah. And like, he complains about not doing archaeology, but they're like, dude, there's a war going on, just fucking wait a week. <laughs> Give it some time, as long as humanity still exists. Yeah. Um, so we cut to Poe basically getting ready for battle saying she has to shoot down one ship and she starts fighting with Swetson. She like, doesn't want that zero it's time for fail daughter versus Swetson. <laughs> yes. Final encounter. Fail daughter Ooh. versus fail son. Yes. <laughs> Which one will manage to fail less at the other? There is an outcome to this. <laughs> well. Yeah. So Corin, Sochi, and Mishi are also heading over in their copples. He tells them to cover him and basically jumps in. Uh, Sochi complains about it, but Mishi's like, you know, he might have been some, like, they know now that he's thousands of years old, so it's like, he might have been some bizarre war hero in a previous life. See, I know something interesting about Corrin that I'm, on, I'm only going to say at the very end. We'll get it of soon. This, yes, at the end of the podcast, uh, I will reveal <laughs> something I learned about Corrin. Um, so Corrin and Swetson start fighting, and Corrin throws the rocket punch at him, and it... It's not just that he, you know, like most times when a mech has a rocket punch, it has a mechanism for reattaching. This one is basically just a fist missile. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And there's a really nice shot of like a meaty hit to this uh, Maru's head and it just falls down. Yep, just beats the fucking crap out of him with this rocket fist. Uh, Maligan and Lily have moved to the gallop where they're watching the fight. He's like, hey, can we just not be in the line of fire here? And she's like, nope, we can't lead them from the back. So, like, this this whole episode of Lily's arc is basically that she is actually commanding the forces in the way that quite a lot of the ostensible leaders have not been doing in this. Yeah, like, she's kind of stepping point. up where Gwyn has stepped down a bit. Yeah. Doing that. 
Yeah, Gwen has had all the opportunity, but he's mostly made speeches, whereas she's actually in front of the battlefield. Um, we cut over to Jim, who is now getting into the Turnex, and says he, as soon as they kill Diana, once they lose their leader, they're not going to be well. The moon people won't be willing to fight anymore. Uh, he comes in and basically starts blowing up every, all of the Diana counter forces. He, he is just fucking working everyone with the Turnex. Like, he's just, like, having a giggle and everyone's passively exploding around it. Like, the Turnex is clearly ridiculous. Yeah, it outclasses <laughs> everything that they've thrown against it. It's By like far. a super mech that is able to explode into bits and reattach and do all this crazy shit. Weird. Against... A bunch of capools. <laughs> like, yeah, what, what's there above are us here? Little orb pals. Banned yeah. in competitive play. <laughs> so Harry's watching Sticky this on the way. Sticky fingers in the turn X, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I actually make a, a fifty zone joke later on. <laughs> There's opportunity. So Harry's on the whale. Uh, learns that the turn X has joined the fight, and Lauren hasn't gotten the turn A yet. So he decides to jump in with his sumo and has a moment where, like, he and Kiel grab hands. So they're they're clearly all into it at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diana is on the Solil's bridge wondering if she'll ever remember her parents. And we get a shot of, like, a really, really big shot of the moon here. I'm pretty sure, like, every single time she's in scene in these two episodes, there's a moon behind her. Probably, yes. Do you get it? Hmm. Um, so Joseph in the turn A flies up over the turn X. He, wasn't he like hiding on top of one of Gwyn's airships basically? Yeah, he kind of like, so Jim took off like from his ship. I forgot what the name of his. Yeah, Spite, mm-hmm. I think. And like he was about to go like fuck up some more shit. And then like Joseph was just canning on top of that yellow airship in the turn A and then like kind of ambushed him from behind. Yeah. Uh, but turn X uses his backpack to block shoot. Uh, does its big old body separation trick, and there's a massive explosion, uh, but not so much. <laughs> Joseph yells, I did it, Fran, as he thinks he beat the turn X, but Jim's like, yo, you know that people who call out to their lovers on the battlefield are the ones who are about to fucking die, right, dude? <laughs> I, I love this because he, uh, one sec, I screenshotted this moment because the way he words it is pretty good. Yes. It's specifically... Historically, the ones who ever called out the names of their lovers on the battlefield were the soldiers about to die, which to me implies this idiot has learned everything he knows about war from old films, yes. like yes. Hollywood yes. films. Like war he movies. is saving, yeah, he is the saving Private Ryan war hero. Like he's just like, yeah, that's how war works. If you say like, oh, I miss my wife, you're about to get shot in the head. Like I know this. Yep. This is I've seen it on film hundreds of times. Yeah. He's also the kind of guy who would watch uh, like satire war films and, and not get it. Yes, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Jimmy's like wow, cool robot incarnate. (laughs) I wonder if he also thinks that like cops will automatically die if they're like two weeks away from retirement. Like you just can't retire at any point for being a cop. Facts that he knows about life. That's why I had to put my cryostasis instead. You know. (laughs) Then you get Um, to see like the ancient historical film Demolition Man. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So. At this point, Swetson shows up and yells that he wants to kill the turn A for Jim because he's got the bloodlust. But Jim's like, fuck you, I will kill anyone who interferes. I've got the bloodlust. And he blows Swetson the fuck up. And Swetson's like, 
no, a general shouldn't do that. Like, That's yeah. my job. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's not what commanders do. They generally don't kill their own guys. <laughs> no. This <laughs> is like this actually unceremoniously vaporized by the Tarnax. I yep. think yeah. that was the way Sweatson absolutely should have gone out. That was perfect. Yep. Yeah. There, there's a lot of fitting endings, I would say. Yeah. In this. Being vaporized while not realizing how contrapasso this punishment is. Like, <laughs> you, the guy who refused to do orders, is now being blown up by King Shit of refusing to do orders. And you're like, I don't get ah. it. This could mean anything. <laughs> it's a very good betrayal in the classic Gundam sense. I mean, it's, it's yep. up there with Yazin making Jamaica get fried by the Omega Blaster and Zeta, so... <laughs> It's a very good thing. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Turnex, uh, a bunch of Turnex parts grab the Turn A and T-pose it and start electrocuting Joseph. Jim says that he's monitoring Joseph's life, like life force so that he'll know exactly when he dies because Jim is a sick motherfucker. And yeah, he has his like computer readout of like the turn a. a shot of it. <laughs> yeah, like the turn A there, like being connected to Joseph and him being electrocuted and like Joseph's like shirt popping off. Bits. Yeah, and his it's like shirt using <laughs> it's like using the bits of the turn X to like inject psycho waves so it can like read his life signs and also electrocute. Like again, they really need to overstate. No, the turn X is like a sci-fi future hell machine. Like this <laughs> thing's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you make a robot that can do this? Doesn't matter. Why do you have a robot that can detect suffering? Because <laughs> like, it's awesome. Not only can it detect it, it encourages it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Down on the ground, Fran and Lauren are watching inside of a flat, but there's not much they can really do to stop this. Uh, Bruno and Jacob show up in another flat and say that Harry is coming so that they can do a pincer attack on him to try to stop him. At this point, Jim is... Completely mad with power. Um, says that the only turn that this world needs is the X. So he's just going to blow up the turn A. Um, and is basically like, yeah, Gwen's not going to mass produce that shit. Fuck it. I'm going to take out all of it. Uh, so he's he's kind of going even further at this point. Um, Harry shoots the turn X in the torso, though, so that it drops the turn A. Bruno and Jacob come in with a sweet assist by catching him. Jim gets really pissed and says that Earthlings can't restore the turn A to its true state and starts, like, firing on them. I do want to point out there's only one Earthling uh, in front of him right now, and that's Joseph. Everyone else... And he got beat good. Everyone else is Moonrace. <laughs> I think it's been, like, the Earthlings in general, since, like, the, the turn A still kind of belongs to the militia, in a True. way. It's fighting yeah. for Earth. Yeah. It's great. I just love that he's like, you Terrans, and I'm like, technically Terran. <laughs> just one. Just one. I, I really do like to that now that we've seen the turn X show up and start swinging around a little bit here and there. Uh, one really clear difference that they make is they kind of show that the turn X is like way more warlike and brutal and just kind of all over the place. Whenever they have their beam sabers out, like the turn A is, is like a single straight line, you know, very clean, like mm -hmm. saber kind of thing. And the turn X is, is just like a big flowing mass of electric, just crackling mess, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Like it's yeah. this huge, big laser beam that's just clearly just shredding whatever the fuck it hits. All, all like of the weapons just say collateral damage in big letters. 
Yeah, I think exactly. That- yeah, the turn X is reckless and damaging and brutal, whereas like the turn A has literally any form of subtlety in its movements. <laughs> yeah, I think that's also like kind of an homage to both like the Sazabi from Char's Counterattack and like the Epion and stuff. Like they all all the Char like big bad guy suits have generally had beam sabers that they've been like huge and just like right. overpowered. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so the beam that Jim shoots actually misses the turn A, but it hits the Wilgum, which fucks up the cock- like the uh, bridge, something awful. Uh, a giant shard, rock shard hits the chair, hits the commit, hits the captain's chair, and there's a quick shot of Gwyn going, "If I had been sitting that, I'd be fucking dead." And we if were I'd like, been in that "Yeah, water, good. I wish you were in that chair, Gwyn." <laughs> yeah, this is just for the like, first time has to grapple with. Holy shit, war kills people. Oh man. Like it's Well it yeah, also like a... the if he was being a proper leader, he'd be dead now. Like the, the show is not being subtle about all of this. <laughs> yeah. About how uh unwilling uh, un uh ready Gwyn is for actual leadership. Um where are we? Oh yeah, uh, and Harry and po- Harry Poe and the Royal Guard surround the Turnex trying to disable it with their sumo eye fields. Um and Harry's like, I I'll d- even if I die, I am going to fucking kill you, Jim. Because uh, the eye fields take life force. Jim's like, you idiot, you moron, you're just making me stronger. <laughs> Keep uh, honking, I'm reloading. <laughs> he yells Jim from the cockpit. Um, and of course, the, at this point, the Turnex drains all of their energy and he activates the moonlight butterfly. So rainbows start enveloping the sky. We get a bunch of reaction shots with Mary Bell and Poe both being surprised. Uh, Maligan and Lily don't actually understand what this is and think Jim's just putting on a light show. Uh, Bruno and Jacob are really confused at this, but Lauren is basically like, yo, could you put my fucking cockpit in? I need to do something about this. So they start working <laughs> on that. I have to go. This is, this is real bad, actually. I need you to <laughs> jumpstart say- my car for me, please. I need to get to yes. work. <laughs> yeah, the... the- also, I, I got to say, they have, they've had this, like, theme of, like, the sky lighting up and it being, you know, day at night or whatever during mm-hmm. the nukes and all that. Um, and they do an effect for the Moonlight Butterfly that's just like, oh, this is otherworldly bad. Like, yep. it's very beautiful and mysterious, but, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> like, this isn't a thing dead. that the sky is supposed to look like, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a really cool effect, yeah. So, back on the Salal, Mirren, Di- Phil, and Diana are completely horrified. Uh, Sochi and Mishi only think it's an Aurora, whereas Corin has a split-second snap and says, oh, fuck, it's a Gundam. Um, and as Kubo puts it, has a major character development in a four-frame flash. Yes, so, Ty, it's... did you catch this one? What? Oh, oh, no. oh you don't know. This is the thing I was talking about. The flat, it's, you, it's just a handful of frames, but it's in his face. Uh, it is the... Uh, it's Gundam, the Gundam Wing, wing. Zero? Yeah. It's Wing it's Zero. It's Wing Zero. It's <laughs> fought against the Gundam Wing at some point. Yeah. Now he's from oh, Gundam nice. Wing. Yeah. <laughs> and he saw the Zero and saw the... he. Oh, so you're telling me this fool's just experienced with Hell Machines yep. at yes. this point. <laughs> okay. You know what? If he fought against the Hell Machine and got out, 
That's fine. Good for you. It Corey. explains you a lot. With some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it also explains why he would be so goddamn opposed to Gundams. Because like, <laughs> no, you get in one and they make you crazy and you commit genocide. Like, it's only- a joke. Those are. There's no reason to defend these stupid fucking things. Why do we keep making them? Like, yeah. Oh, my God. If my exposure to Gundams was like, yeah, uh, you put a person in them and then they go crazy and murder everyone. Like, why do you keep making them? <laughs> so, like, Imagine you realizing that you were in the Gundam Wing universe. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the I mean, ultimate character reveal. Hey, you know what? If anything, that makes the dark history make even more sense. Because they're like, yeah, people did a lot of stupid, ill-advised shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we cut to Poe and Harry fighting the Turn X. Uh, Poe grabs the Turn X from behind and tries to do a Harry, kill me and him. But the Turn X can split into parts, so that doesn't work at all. Um, we cut to Lauren finally back in the Turn A with the, with the proper cockpit. He takes off. Jim is starting to look a bit manic at this point. He's he's going a little mad with the turn X's power, and yeah, he they, wants they to fight. Put the crazy face on with like the pinpoint eyes and everything. He's kind of losing it. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is where his eyes started getting a little bloodshot too. Yep. Like he's just getting a little a little too into it. <laughs> and, and it's worth noting that Jim has been doing some batshit crazy shit before this, but this is the first time where he actually looks unhinged doing it. So like. He's gone up a level at this point. Yeah, before it was delusions of grandeur, idiot. This is, oh no, you're actually becoming quite detached. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> oh, oh dear. And you have the death machine. So they take off with a giant moon in the background. Uh, and Diana is like, was tonight supposed to be a lunar eclipse as the shadow starts to go over the moon? Very subtle. And the episode <laughs> ends on that. So, Mwah. Beautiful. Uh, so episode 50 is the last one. No intro. We just get the title Golden Autumn. Uh, we cut, I guess, a bit later. Poe is just salvaging some suits, trying to find parts or whatever. But Harry's like, just leave it. Um, Lauren and Jim have apparently gone and flown off to go fight in the mountains away from everybody. So I guess good for Lauren. Um, is it Diane, the Nuke Mountain? I'm... It was the one that Sid was talking about in the previous episode. I don't... Yeah, the one they hadn't excavated. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that was the nuke one in particular, but like, I guess <laughs> no one was out there. So Yeah. <laughs> so Diana wants to fly the soil after them, uh, but Miranda and Phil are like, that's a really bad idea. Uh, you could die. And so like, she gets all pouty about it. <laughs> we cut over to Mishi and Sochi. They're helping Corrin like, jerry-rig his cop pool to theirs. <laughs> they don't know that they're doing this, though. He's basically like, all right... Could you plug these wires in real quick? Yeah, and then like while they're doing this, he's like, "Yeah, I should go home and just make us a nice meal." And they're like, "Why? Why is that?" And so he starts up his carpool, and like for whatever reason, they fall fall out of theirs. And they're like, "Wait, you can't be planning to go on alone by yourself." And he's like, "You need to tell my descendants or our descendants about how we were soldiers or something like that." And so he gets his red carpool and like stands it on the other two. And then, like, uses the other two as, like, rocket boots and, like, flies off Voltron style. Yes! <laughs> so good. It's really silly. It's amazing. Uh, we cut the Bruno and Jacob. Uh, they're hearing, like, Corin talk about this on the radio, so they go after him. Um, Fran is uh, in the process of taking Joseph, who is, like, hurt and kind of unconscious, back to the and whale shirtless. for medical treatment. Yeah. And she continues to chastise him for being a huge jerk and idiot for doing that. Yeah, I mean... And for saying that they boned down to everyone. <laughs> right? She's like, it's why so did I that they boned. It's the way he said it. <laughs> yes. 
Um, we cut to Lily in the gallop. Apparently she got into that thing. Um, they're trying to get the radio working and they eventually do end up calling Keyhill on the whales, like apparently at full volume, which is very loud for them. I don't know. Everyone yells about God. Why is she yelling? Yeah. She asks where the turn A is, but the call is intercepted by the Wilgum, and we cut over to a shot of the Wilgum. It's like flying sideways trailing smoke because it got shot last episode. Um, they're trying to make it to knock this factory because Gwyn wants to go make more dolls. Michael starts talking to him and he's like, this Why? is a stupid plan. Why do you do this? And Gwyn's like, well, we got to build up forces. And then once things cool down, maybe we could, you know, take over and stuff. And Michael's like, that's dumb. Why? Jim is destroying everything. There's going to be nothing left to take over. You can't and, rule Ameria if there is no Ameria. Yeah. So Gwyn's like, well, we just need to survive. And that's my contingency plan. And so Michael's really like validly pissed that Gwyn is already scheming like post-war stuff. It's like, Michael, Michael, you've been with him this entire time. How did you not The realize- switch finally clicks here. Right? Yeah. Gwyn is an asshole. Like, I think, like, the cost-benefit analysis in Michael's mind, like, finally tipped the other way. Now that there's a hole in the cockpit, it's sort of like, oh, God, he really is just like this. A hole in yeah. everything, and Jim is killing everything. Yeah. So on that note, the Wilgum starts sh- stuttering some more, and, like, it's got to crash. So Michael gets on the mic to say, like, hey, we're doing an emergency landing. Please evacuate afterwards. And Gwen's like, no, no, you can't tell him to evacuate. I need these people. And Michael's like, listen, I'm not oh. following you anymore. I don't think anyone else is. You're on your own. And then the Wilgum just crash yeah. lands. After, after he very clearly was just like, I've already decided we've lost and I'm just going to plan how to live under Jim. And everyone's just like, oh, my, and you, you are not fit to lead a fucking... <sighs> Any a kindergarten class, dude. come on, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. I like, could see good. He's just me like I'm gonna throw all my underlings under the bus, and it's like, dude, come on, can you wait till we're at least out of the ship? Like, <laughs> I could see Gwyn going to a kindergarten class and like going full Randy and Captain of Industry bullshit. Oh <laughs> Are you children not entitled to the sweat of your brow? <laughs> <laughs> so, um. We cut over to some mountains. Uh, there's a lunar eclipse actually happening. Uh, the Turn A and the Turn X are in this like kind of Mexican standoff. They both have like their guns pointed at each other. Uh, Lauren's telling um, Lauren's saying that the white doll was revered by people, and I intend to honor the nature of its helpfulness, you know, to everyone since you know it was a helpful Gundam robot. And, then, and he tells uh, Jim, "There's like there's no need to wipe out life on Earth." And Jim's like, "Yeah, there is. Uh, Earth is stagnant, and if there isn't any change, then people, you know, will do whatever." And he's like, people asked for the Trinity to be awakened. They wanted warfare. And, like, I rejected Diana's peace offering deal stuff because of that. I want to fight real bad. So, yeah, Jim just wants to wipe out everything and just kind of start over again in his own new era. But I'm sure in- that'll work beautifully, Jim. He, Jim doesn't. I mean, Jim is in his manic phase right now. So mm. Yes. the enti- This entire episode, Jim is in his manic phase. And it is so good because he's a yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously, he's not thinking about a whole lot. So, yeah, they're interrupted by Marybelle. Like, they start, Marybelle starts, like, shooting at both of them. And Jim's mad at her for interfering because he wants his one-on-one fight. Um, she thinks that, like, he needs her help to fight the tornado because Jim's not, this like, This is an interesting scene. Like, because she's basically like, you know, I am basically the one who did all the fighting for you before this. Are you sure that you can handle this? Like, yeah, it shows that she actually doesn't really see him as much of a soldier, despite yeah, being one of his direct underlings. 
yeah, it's cool too here because like so if they start fighting and like the animators actually did a really good job on this. Like they spent the last of their money on this. But like last Lauren eventually, episode, baby. Yeah, Lauren eventually blows up part of her bandit, and this kind of like sparks Jim into like realizing that Lauren is dangerous and a threat. And so Jim starts fighting at like his full, I don't know, attention or strength or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and he like he blows up part of the Turnay shield. And, like, she actually sees it. It's like, oh, wow, you can actually fight. I'm surprised. Oh, wait, this is cool. Whoa. Well, well, you see, when you were studying other things, Jim was studying Blade. <laughs> so the turn A and turn X fight a bit. Uh, they have this, like, climatic sword clash, and they get in each other's grills. Uh, both suits start to turn on their moonlight butterflies. Like, it starts just coming out of their backpacks. And, like, there's these gigantic alarms going off in both of their cockpits. And both of them are panicking because neither of them want the full moonlight butterfly to be We don't off. want the full apocalypse here. Yeah. But yeah. They, and, and it's either <clears throat> very close or it may have already happened. But uh, if, if someone immediately just mentions, like, oh, we can't let these two stalemate. It's like, what? If they stalemate, they will turn the thing on. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, don't. We can't have that, folks. Because yep. that's what's happening. They're both kind of like stuck and all of the emergency backup we must win systems are turning on which unfortunately apparently includes the real bad times <laughs> the yeah. apocalypse machine yeah so like ty said like they're kind of in a stalemate right now so jim asks maribel to like back him up and so she goes to go shoot the tournament but corin arrives on his like rocket powered cop wheels um <laughs> he rocket jumps off the cop wheels and then just bashes maribel's bandit's head in screams um, about bashing the head in as he does it it's yeah, very good. As you do, you have to yell your super move's name when you're doing your super move. So, Gonna break your windows! Bam. <laughs> <laughs> like, nice, get him. <laughs> so Corrin then goes on to yell that like he needs to break the two of them out of their deadlock or the dark history will repeat itself. He jumps up, does the spin move, and yells, I'll hit its crotch with my rocket punch, and then proceeds <laughs> to hit its crotch with his rocket punch. <laughs> so he, he fucking punches the turn X in the dick. But, like, the way, like, he's facing it from behind, like, it causes the turnix to shift a little bit. And then part of that Moonlight Butterfly just hits his cop pool and slices it in half, really. And um, It just deletes half of it. Like, there is a, like, it's, like, a very clean divide. Like, uh, if you've ever seen, like, Full Metal Alchemist where, like, um, Gluttony starts shooting, like, basically is just, like, consuming everything in yep. space. Like, replacing it with void. It's that kind of thing where yeah. it's just, like, there was ship here. There's no longer ship here. <laughs> like, it's just, and there's no in-between. There's just yep. frame one, ship. Frame two, no ship. Yeah. <laughs> so, as his cop will start to explode, he says that the Terminator should be built the next era and then just goes out in a blaze of glory. Rip Corrin. Yeah. He, uh... I did not expect him to make it to the final episode. When he first appeared, <laughs> I, I was not expecting him to stick around. To be fair, I wasn't really expecting Bruno and Jacob to stick around either. I kind of expected that whole crew to sort of... Disappear? Yeah, like uh, like episode 20. Yeah, as an aside, I think Corrin's an interesting character because you expect him to be like an act one mini boss kind of yeah. guy antagonist yeah. who just fucking eat it. But like he actually has a full character arc all the way to the end, so... Also, yep. he doesn't just, like, show up and be predictably a villain and then go away and then show up later and be predictably a villain. It's like, he gets beat up real bad once, it really loosens some marbles, and then he just is, like, this really weird character for, like, a lot of the series. Like, he's just very bizarre. Like, Corin kind of doesn't fit it. Like, it almost is like a waiting for Godot kind of thing, where he's just, like, weirdly clairvoyant, or not clairvoyant, but he, like, um... 
weirdly lucid on occasion, but most of the time just is nothing. You know, it's just kind of yeah. like, I'm like hamburgers. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's also good cool corn. because like in the intro, he has the bloodlust and then after he gets his ass kicked, like he kind of reflects on it, even if he is in a insane sort of way. So, yeah. But um, going back to uh, the explosion, after he explodes, both Jim and Lauren just kind of go into the new type zone for a second. Like, there's this white background. Yeah. And they have this, like, conversation with each other, even though it's, like, kind of a time... I don't know. But Jim thinks that, like, oh, fights like this and waken people's battle instincts and push people to be their best. Yeah. And Lauren says, like, well, maybe animals, it's how that works, but humans can develop their own history and move past their fighting instincts or whatever. So the two suits at this point are like kind of grappling with each other. Wrestling. Yeah, they're wrestling. <laughs> and um, the Moonlight Butterfly is still coming out. Still happening. Still can't stop that. Um, we cut briefly over to the whales. Soshi Michi are checking in on Fran and Joseph, who is now getting medical attention. Um, Diana gives an order. She's like, okay, the Soleil needs to use every, all of its power to make a barrier to block the Moonlight Butterfly, or this is going to get out of hand real quick. Um. Sochi has a conversation with Kihil talking about, like, oh, Diana's just trying to go kill herself. Um, we see the Soleil, like, charge on ahead and start up its barrier. And, like, it's trying to push back the Moonlight Butterfly energy from, you know, getting out of hand. Stop it from destroying the entire world. Yeah. So on the ground, uh, we just see the militia. They're seeing all this, and they're just going AWOL. Like, the militia is having none of this super apocalyptic stuff. <laughs> Co- correctly seeing the situation <laughs> and going, I have nothing to add. I'm leaving. <laughs> Out of my pay grade. Yeah, so yep. as this is happening, Lily leaves the uh, the gallop she was in and spots Gwyn over, and she walks over to him, and he jokes, is like, wow, how do you always find me when I'm at my lowest point? <laughs> Match cut with the airplane shot from, God, 30 episodes ago. Yeah. Um, and they're just kind of sit there for a second, and, like, there's a shot of, like, their backs watching the mountains, and there's just explosions and, like, rainbow-colored stuff coming over that mountain, and, like, they know that the end of the world is happening over there. Yep. Um, Gwyn says, like, well, I hope Laura will win. And Lily's like, well, Laura's a man. Stop calling him that. Put on a skirt if you love him so much. And, and Gwyn reveals how much of a bastard he really is. Because holy shit. Yeah. So, he says, uh, it will take some time for someone to wear wearing a skirt to be accepted as the leader of the Industrial Revolution. This scheming motherfucker <laughs> from the word go, he realized the pilot of the turn A, Lauren, was first of all going to be a folk hero and thus probably a likely candidate to lead. Also realized Lauren was like good at this and personable and charming. So immediately decided, oh, we're just going to present you as a lady because the world is still hella misogynist and that won't fly. So, man, this man. guy, this fucking guy, <laughs> this fucking guy, like... I kind of read it differently. I kind of read that like Gwen was just gay and didn't want to address that. <laughs> oh, see, I read it as like he's been scheming from the word go, and especially because he said it specifically to Lily. And the thing that Lily says later is is I think a pretty good thing because you know like she it. specifically mentions like yeah like put a skirt on him and he's just like well someone in a skirt can't fucking lead the industrial revolution and she's just kind of like oh huh, mm, that's cool. true I guess <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah I can see where you're coming from from that aspect it's yeah that would work. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, because he like directly and and the thing is later on Lily makes a comment and she specifically is like, oh yeah, by the way, I'll be wearing my skirt while I do that. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> um, so as they're talking, a bandit crashes near them, and it's Mary Bell. She fell out of the sky. Uh, Gwen goes over to help her. Um, she wants. He's like, well, listen, we gotta we gotta shoot them with the particle cannon on the well gun. But he's like, that thing crashed. It's done. It is on the ground and it is staying there. 
Yeah. In a kind of weird scene that doesn't really make a lot of sense for the characters, uh, the militia that has now left the Wilgame and has gone AWOL has stole one of Gwyn's airships, and like Yanni and Michael are in it, flying it, but they drop a rope ladder down to Gwyn? You'd think they would just be done with him. Yeah, I don't know what their motivation was for saving him or like I... keeping him, but... I think it was a mistake. I think they're... they're True, think, they were just kind of yeah, panicked. I think there are too many people in there. I mean, you see them all yeah. rammed in. The same I, way they were in the yeah, space I episode. Yeah, I think the airship is, like, wilting on its side and the rope ladder falls and, and Gwen and Maribel just sort of hitch a ride as they're trying to escape, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that sure. might be what happened. Yeah, I mean, I could see it being a mistake because that just happens in war zones and stuff. But Yeah, so Gwen uh, grabs Maribel and they climb up the ladder. Um... Lily waves goodbye, saying that she's going to be taking over Amiria while wearing a skirt. And a yeah. fantastic line. It's, it's so, so good. good. Yeah, Especially because is... at this point, Gwyn is turning and running away while Lily has literally been leading her troops in this fight the entire time. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's basically a, it's a the conclusion of Gwyn's character, and it's just, mm. And her kind. And uh, yeah, another one I screenshotted. And yeah, she specifically says, farewell, I'll be taking control of Amaria while I'm still wearing my skirt. So immediately after, he's just like, no woman could ever lead America. Are you serious? And she's just like, by the way, I'm a woman. Gotta go lead America, bitch. <laughs> like, it's just like, Gotta go later, general this army. And of course, she yep. does it in her beautiful Southern Belle, you know, way. <laughs> God, her outfits are so good. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we cut back to both of the turns fighting each other. Um, Jim is saying that uh, you you learn what it means to be alive by fighting. Lauren says, like, the dark history is sealed for a reason. They're just kind of, like, yelling at each other now. We're on to the yell philosophy while you punch each other fight. Yeah, every it's series, kind of and a I love it. To it's evolve so these good. Gundams. But, yeah, Jim's saying, like, uh, this fighting revitalizes the cycle of life and avoids stagnation. Says, like, human instincts can never be fully sealed away. We're always going to fight. Um, at this point, Sochi kind of leaves the whale and takes off in a flat looking for Lauren. And, like, it's only here for, like, a second or two, but, like, they show her face in the cockpit as she's doing this. And she is just, I don't know, exhausted, grim, resigned to all of this. Like, she just wants it to be done. I, I don't know. I thought it was a really inter- like a really cool scene mm-hmm. just for a half second there. Uh, it's really, there's a lot of, like single frame shots in this episode that are really good yeah they just have like a little bit of character development to them just you know show how the characters are feeling especially because sochi is the one who is like most directly affected by the nuclear blast because yep. he did he well did i mean the, I, this is the logical fiance. conclusion to her entire yep. character arc like she went yeah, in super right. gun ho on war and then through the course of all these events now she is just done with it and also seeing the absolute worst end of it like the world ending climax and it's just kind of like Oh, God. I used to be for this, huh? Like, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so uh, they meet, she meets up with Harry and Poe. Uh, Harry and Poe are both near where the turns are fighting, but, like, they can't get any closer because of all the Moonlight Butterfly energy stuff going on. Like, they're barely able to keep their suits from blowing up themselves. Um, they're trying to talk to each other, but they can't because of the radio interference. And just, like, they're just standing there watching, really. Um, on the Solel, uh Diana is saying to activate the barrier um, because we still can't have the... Moonlight Butterfly spread, and so the ship does that, and like it uses the last of its power and just starts falling out of the sky. Inside the barrier, the Turn A's and Turn X are still fighting. Um, Lauren says that Jim gained his strength to protect Diana uh, because he was protecting Diana, and Jim's counter is like, well, Diana gave me the strength and she could take it away, and that's why she left the moon be- and went to Earth without telling us anything, and it made me sad or something. They, uh, they conclude the fight here. They have like this climatic sword clash at the end. Uh, they both end up stabbing each other's suits in the chest. 
And that's what kind of finally slows down the Moonlight Butterfly because they've suddenly sustained a lot of damage. Yeah. Uh, Jim says, like, you have to fight for yourself. And Lauren says, you have to fight for the sake of others. They're, they distilled their philosophy. They're screaming at each other. Yeah. So both suits kind of have each other stuck in these, like, death grips. Um, they fall to the ground. The X-Top ejects with uh, Jim, and Lauren kind of just bails out of the turn A fighter when it hits the ground. And, like, you see the both suits, they have their Moonlight Butterflies going at, like, full throttle now. Like, it's just going crazy. Uh, the Slail eventually does crash land. Uh, Harry, Poe, and Sochi are starting to look for Lauren because they don't even know what's happening anymore. We see a shot of Lauren running away from the turn in uh, A and X. Um, it's like he's running towards the camera as, like, the shit is just going crazy behind him. And then, like, immediately out of, like, stage left, a sword just flies at his feet. <laughs> yes, 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 And, like, I gotta yes, be careful yes, here yes, because, like, yes, I want to yes. portray how this is shot because it's done this, really well. This scene is incredible. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good because it's, like, it's cliche a little bit, but it's so well done that it doesn't matter. And also, it immediately subverts the cliche. Yeah. It's really good. So, we cut over to the left. Um, the X-Top has landed and Jim has gotten out of it. And uh, he has a sword in his hand and he asks Lauren's like, have you ever sword fight before? And he's like, yeah, I did once. And Jim's One really happy. Yeah, Jim's really happy about this. So, we see both of them running at each other and they have, like, a sword clash. And, like, they, you know, the thing where they both hold the hilts of their swords next to each other. They zoom in on the swords, and, like, you see the swords just kind of, like, moving back and forth. And then suddenly there's, like, electricity and a gurgling noise. And you don't see it, but, like, Moonlight Butterfly stuff comes from the side of the screen that Jim was on. And then it cuts to Lauren looking at the camera horrified, and he just back away and runs. And so, like... Also, they- I can't remember, did... Did his sword also get Jim, eaten by the Moonlight Butterfly at this point? I Jim's feel like dead, you yes. see someone's sword get yeah, eaten. Yeah, Jim's sword. So yeah. What happens Jim's in the scene kind of is they clash. Uh, Jim's sword breaks, and he tries to go in for a stab with like the broken end of the blade, and that's when it get like that's when the Moonlight Butterfly hits him. Yeah, and like the way Lauren reacts to just like it looks like he has just been disintegrated. And- a human being just melted in front of him. Yeah, so Lauren just fucking books it. He leaves. Um, we see a shot of the out-of-control Moonlight Butterfly turning everything around the sand. Um, the two suits have enveloped themselves in this energy, and we see Lauren just, like, running full tilt over the hills, where he eventually falls into Sochi, uh, the flat that Sochi is piloting. Um, she picks him up, and he's just exhausted. And she comments that, like, the two suits kind of look like an egg. And so we see a shot from, like, half a like, mile I'm away. I'm like, Sochi, Sochi, have you not seen all the butterflies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a mistranslation. It's a cocoon, yeah. It's clearly a cocoon. Oh, that's a weird egg. I didn't know butterflies <laughs> came from eggs. Oh, well, I'm Sochi. I don't really know a lot of stuff. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> I mean, on a technicality, they do. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, so the, la- the shot here is the glowing cocoon under a full moon. We match cut that full moon to a full moon over the Soleil. Uh, Phil turns and tells Diana that the turn A and turn X reactions have ceased. And uh, Sochi has picked up Lauren and she just falls it back into her chair completely exhausted. God. And so, like, the one thing I want to say about this is I love the way that Jim goes out in this. Because he had all of these delusions of grandeur about being... The almighty warrior prince at the end of this, and his his mech fucking falls apart. He throws a sword at Lauren, and neither of them know how to sword fight, clearly. Like, it's, oh, a, yeah, it's yeah. really awkwardly drawn. He, Jim breaks his sword, and he doesn't even get, like, you know, a heroic death he, speech he or anything. He literally dies off screen on purpose. 
Yeah. Like, he he is not Master Asia getting his, no, I did it like this kind of speech, because he does not yeah. deserve any of that. And yeah. I really, Jim, really like that, because he would have wanted it so bad. Jim is kind of a big idiot who thinks he understands, well, like, he's he is an armchair strategist, mm-hmm. and he is getting his big, beautiful moment that he's so sure he's ready for, but he has done none of the training. <laughs> so he's, yeah, immediately. It's so over. good. Also, I love that it's just, yeah, this this guy trying to have his big heroic final fight of just like, ah, let's have our final duel. But, like, the reality of war is, like, it's still going on and there's tons of casualties that are not meant to happen, like, all the time. And that's exactly what's going on. It's just there's a huge moonlight butterfly nightmare thing happening behind him and he's just kind of like, no, I want to have my duel. But the reality is war doesn't care about your yeah. desires for a little duel. It it destroys and that's it. And <laughs> gets destroyed by it it's yeah it's really good yeah. really good it's, it's almost like war is bad <laughs> do you think wait whoa whoa whoa, <laughs> whoa let's, let's, run, let's run it back here, here. <laughs> whoa i don't know why i turned into rodney dangerfield I took shock. <laughs> Holy shit. okay so boy scratch my fucking turn x <laughs> <laughs> so that was all cool and all, but I really think the reason this series like is really good is because the next six minutes here. Yes. I think, is, oh, the end of the episode is yes. fantastic. So to give you an idea, there's a fade cut, and the next six minutes are just like an epilogue montage of different vignettes. Uh, during all of the this, thing, the extended... The thing that really oh. surprised me about it is like they only have six minutes and they get through so much because yes. so many of the characters... like It just makes sense what they do because the characters are so well-developed that you just see what Sochi does. Yeah, and it fills like, in yep, the blanks. That's what Sochi yeah. would do. So yeah, yeah, the the extended version of the second uh, uh, ending music play, um, it's the song with like that uh, ostinato kind of drum beat going on because, yeah, and the lyrics are about the butterflies being rebirthed over and over. If you can't tell, it's about cycles. So um, (laughs) Do you get it? First vignettes, uh, Sochi, Diana, and Kihil are in the back of a car on Earth. Sochi is looking a bit older, but in her mid-20s, she's uh, looking more mature, has like a nice bob haircut going on. Kihil goes and tells Diana, this time only you and I will know about this. Uh, mm. Sochi kind of looks disgusted at them a bit. Not disgusted, but just kind of over them and moves to the front of the car where Lauren and Harry are at. Um, and she looks a bit disappointed. The car arrives at the Heim estate. Um, the mom is there in a wheelchair and she has still lost her mind. Uh, Kihil or Diana, one of them, goes and kisses the mother. And uh, Sochi just kind of looks away. There's a shot of uh, several of the characters enjoying the peacefulness of their you know, house up in... I don't know, upstate New York. I don't know where this is supposed to be. Um, Lauren is also back in his driver uniform at yes. this point. Yeah. And I should also Another mention... The thing about this is... Oh, go ahead. They, they don't let the effects of war just magically vanish, which I really like. Like, yeah. people are positive and they're clearly rebuilding and they're doing better. But, like, Eel's mom's still fucked up. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a thing that happened and that's not going to unhappen just because the bad man is dead, you know? Yeah. Like, and they let that rock and that's... It's a good Spoiled reminder, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we cut over to Bruno and Jacob. They are entertaining kids with Turn A and Turn X marionettes out of the back of a truck. Sadly named, the truck is the BJ Theater. Uh, <laughs> could have named we that a better. That the name. <laughs> yeah. Um, the quartermaster uh, lady from earlier in the series is making cotton candy next to them. Yes. Uh, the next vignette is uh, Lily, Keyhill, Diana, Horace, and Duke Borgiano. They are overlooking the construction of a new Wilgham-type ship that is being made. Uh, Michael and Yanni are down doing construction on, down on the ground floor. 
there are mobile suits assisting in the construction and it's a nice counterpoint because next to them are like steam trains and sailboats. So like you still get that they have like an overhaul of the tech thing going on. It turns out like the dream that Gwyn claimed he was going for is happening just not Without with him. him at the helm. Yeah. Um, there's an outside nighttime shot with snowing. There's a car parked in the snow. Lauren and Sochi are outside of the car and she is crying in his arms. Uh, they kiss. The camera pans over to the car where Kehoe or Diana, we don't know, is sitting in it and just looking out into the distance. Yeah, it's worth uh, noting that most of the markers that you normally can see to tell who's who are very deliberately hidden yes. in these scenes. Um, he walks away from her as she still cries and gets in the car and drives it away. Uh, next vignette is Kehoe or Diana. One of them is on a boat with uh, Phil, Moran, Jacob, and Bruno. It's like this weird little tugboat out in a harbor, and they're like waving, saying goodbye. Um, it's a send-off ceremony, and on the shore we see like Ames, Merrigan, and Lily and Sochi waving. Behind them is an Ameria to the Moon Air banner, so like I'm guessing <laughs> they're inaugurating a ship to the moon. And the tugboat crosses the harbor to the new Wilgham's ship, which is sitting out in it. The next vignette is Kehill or Diana is um, with Lauren and they're eating lunch in like this lakeside mountain cottage. It's, it looks very nice and quaint, like a Thomas Kincaid painting or something. <laughs> it's summertime and storks are flying overhead and they're really happy. And uh, one, Kehill or Diana, one of them, goes to uh, pick up a cup and there is a shot of her with a wedding ring on. I will point out that Lauren doesn't have a ring on in this scene. When you see his hands, you can't see That's a ring true. on them. That's true, yeah. Only on but hers. it's very deliberate that they showed up there with yes. her in the ring on, yeah. Um, we cut to the next vignette. It's the new Wilgham. It's taking off uh, from the harbor in front of a bunch of steamships. Um, when it enters low Earth orbit, it separates in the two, and like the upper section of the ship starts flying towards the moon. We see like this observation bubble. I guess it's kind of like part of the ship. Uh, Keyhill slash Diana looks out of the bubble, and then the rest of the red team shows up. So if you remember back, God, dozens of episodes ago. Like Cancer and Moran were always dancing around with the rest of the red team. Part they're, of a team. Yeah, they're going back to the moon. And none of them have been to space before, so they are all very shocked about all of this. Yeah, they're all like super pumped. There's a lot of kids there just freaking out. Uh, next vignette, Fran is getting into a truck and telling Joseph she'll be back for dinner. Joseph has a kid on his back. Uh, next fucked. vignette. Well, yes, they did in fact. Just FYI. God, and Kubo, you really nailed it with that scene wouldn't have worked if it wasn't pretty clear that Fran was not okay with him saying that. <laughs> she's she's carrying my unborn child, maybe. And Fran's just like, oh, fucking come I mean, on. Okay, going back to it as an aside, like if he had said she's very special to me or something, perfectly fine, understandable, yeah. Yeah. but saying she's carrying my seed, it's like, oh, come Before. on, dude. Yeah. And then he leaves and she's like, what, you're not even going to kiss me goodbye? Fucking yeah. asshole. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that too, yeah. yeah. She says, you're not even going to kiss me goodbye. <laughs> uh, going oh, back, so good. Going back to the epilogue. Uh, next scene is Poe and Sid. They're backpacking the Grand Canyon. Yeah, it I turns guess. out now that uh, Joseph's retired, Sid needed a new friend. Yeah, so Poe's just hanging out with him. Next vignette, Keith, uh, Verilyn, Annis, and uh, a new very small child. are They're in a truck in the city. They're driving around, dodging some streetcars. They pull up to a bakery that's Donkey Bakery, and the worker is putting finishing touches on a new sign. It turns um, out Keith fucked too. He didn't yell about it though. <laughs> no, he didn't, and like that relationship makes a bit more sense. But <laughs> uh, cutting back, uh, the new Wilgham ship is landing on the moon. A Diana is giving a speech to the moon citizens, saying that she's returned, that she's there to lead them again. Next uh, scene is Mishi is running after a pedal-powered 
plane. It looks like that one that crossed the English Channel. It's very mm-hmm. obviously an homage. And um, it is flown by that redheaded dude she was flirting with in episode 46. Yeah, I had forgotten that was where he was from. Yeah. Ferdinand. The, uh, as they fly, as it starts to fly over the horizon, its wing breaks and just kind of crashes down into the ground. And her and her dad laugh and chase after it. Uh, next scene. This one is kind of harsh. Uh, nighttime. So she's in her house at the high mansion and she's looking through stuff and finds that fish toy that Lauren had in a bag just kind of tucked away and her eyes kind of narrow. She uh, leaves the house on her bike and starts riding down the hill that Lauren rode down in episode two. And then like in the middle of her just riding down the hill, she just starts screaming like primally into the night. She gets to the river and angrily throws the fish into it. The fish floats down the river for a bit, hands up to the Milky Way. And then there's a zoom out shot of her just screaming. That one's kind oh, of Sochi. Yeah. <laughs> Sochi. Um, there's a night shot of Gwyn and Maribel. They're on a small sailboat. Gwyn is rocking a mullet in like a pedo stash. It's yeah. It's a look. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a choice that you could make. Um, Much like God. all of the choices he made in the show. Yeah. Not a good one. Uh, he is he staring. looks like he's halfway to being Q from Street Fighter Third Strike, <laughs> to give you an idea of most of the He outfit. is still wearing his, wear, uh, yeah, his full trench coat, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And he is just yeah. kind of staring out into the ocean while she just kind of looks at him, like, questioningly. Uh, we cut up to the moon. Uh, Diana is with Harry in the archive chamber, just looking at holograms from the dark history and just crying. Look, they're uh, not all as bad as Gundam Wing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, we cut to a shot of the lake in the mountains. It's fall now. Uh, Lauren is fly fishing while a key hill slash Diana is sitting on the shore. Uh, we cut again. This time it is the same lake in the same mountains, but it is winter and there's snow everywhere. The key hill slash Diana is dressed up basically like a babushka. Uh, just yeah, walking it's around. Very good. Like, it's like she full has, Russian coat going on. She, yeah, she is wearing so many layers that she is the shape of like a salt shaker. <laughs> Like, just very round on top and kind of just a big egg. Just a big, warm egg. That's kind of what she's doing, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Next scene, we cut over to the Turn A slash X cocoon. It is glowing, and there's heat waves over it, and it looks very alien and uh, radioactive. And there's, like, string things coming out of it. It's. I can see why they named it Moonlight Butterfly once I see the literal cocoon it's got going. Yeah. Uh, The camera pans slightly over to the right, and there's a small, very small mound next to it. Hmm. So at this point, the music has faded out. Um, we see Lauren. He's at the snowy mountain cabin, and he's greeting the Kehill slash Diana, who has come back from the walk. Uh, they briefly eat dinner. Uh, again, Kehill slash Diana's back is to the camera. The last shot of the entire series is Lauren closing a door to a sleeping Kehill slash Diana, saying, Diana, my queen, see you again tomorrow. And that's the series. That's Turn A Gundam. Turn A. It's so good. Good. <laughs> I I really like that ending there, and although it's kind of supposed to be implied that they did the switcheroo yet again, and Diana was on Earth with Lauren, it's never really conclusively shown. Yeah, I really like the way it does it because it is kind of like yes, they did switch, and this is what the character you know, like. This is what Diana would have wanted, but the whole series is kind of left all this open. And yeah. the thing is, too, like, out of the whole monologue there, or the two, whole epilogue, I should say, like, the only person that addresses the fact is Lauren, and it's not like he hasn't been fooled by them before. So. Yeah. Lauren is kind of a dummy. The main <laughs> one it works for, yeah, I mean, like, hey, let's be real. Lauren's kind of dumb sometimes. Uh, 
I know Keel. Like the big thing is obviously that Keel had a thing for Harry as well. That's true, you know, especially after. The and there last is a scene, scene of a Diana character he's leaving for combat, and she's just like, "Wait, no, touch my hand first. Okay, you can go now." <laughs> yeah, there is a scene during the model uh, after they. Leave, I think it's the one where Diana's watching the holograms. They leave the chamber, and Harry is following the Diana around. So, yeah. I, I do think they switch because I think. Diana really wanted to go to Earth to have a peaceful life. That yeah, that was her whole out. thing. Yeah, so it's implied they, they put do. Put in cold storage every I few years. I do kind of like the fact that they kind of leave it up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they don't have someone turn to the camera and be like, "You see, dear viewer, Diana returned to Earth because <laughs> because she is dying from cryostasis." <laughs> that narrator from fucking G Gundam shows up and is like, "Who knows? Well, now happen. everyone." <laughs> 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 so um yeah what did you guys think of the series it's a pretty good one oh, uh it's that was definitely great. one of the best gundam ones yeah i really really enjoyed that I, I don't know if you have the notes open but i wrote a bunch of questions down towards the end if uh if you yeah, want to do yeah, the book yeah, report yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean I'll, I'll start with characters i liked uh i mean corn is pretty great uh corn just in general across the board like they introduce him as a tremendous dipshit. Uh, and he kind of maintains being a tremendous dipshit, but he goes through different phases of being a tremendous dipshit to the end where he is a heroic dipshit in the best way possible. He has um, a, like, philosophical breakthroughs while being a dipshit, which mm-hmm. is Yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's one of those, it's just like, he's like, I have incredibly large muscles, but I could use them for good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll like, take that question as well. And, like, a character I liked and didn't like is Soji. No, I, yeah, I agree with you here. I think Sochi is one of the best written characters in Gundam. Like, in terms of complete story arc, I mean, she starts off as a bratty tomboyish kid. Yeah. She gets there's thrown... a lot to not like about her for the first That doesn't mean, yeah, like, show. she is not likable in a lot of the early part of the series, but that doesn't mean and she's not a purpose, good, you know? yeah, she's yes. a good written character for And it for works. Her, yeah, she's a well-written. Yeah, it's used well. Yeah. yeah. And I, you are, you are just wanting to, like, shake her. You're like, Sochi, you're acting like the 15-year-old you are, which, you know, it's fine. But no, <laughs> come on, stop it. It's Sochi, then... now is not the time for racism. Can you be racist? <laughs> racist later please like it's, it's but fun she does her. get so much development yeah, and, and like she, she really starts, turned to someone who is likable at the end yeah for sure. yeah she starts as like shafted the, by that ending i'm so <laughs> sad for her yeah she starts as like this tomboy's character she eventually has her father die so she gets really angry and she can't really focus her anger so she joins the militia to do that and in the process she learns that like her best friend has kind of betrayed her expectations and additionally she falls in love with someone who tries to like curb her bloodlust but eventually dies horribly and this leaves her like feeling depressed and I don't know empty and then like throughout the rest of the series she realizes how of big of a mistake she made and realizes to learn that like her entire bloodthirstiness was just terrible and she couldn't go oh, on with bad. it and then like the the end of it is she gets kind of shafted as a from a good ending and yeah yeah She's all on her own now. Like, uh, Lauren left her. Um, her sister's gone. Her, her sister, dad's dead. Yeah. Uh, her she's mother's just with insane. her mom now. Yeah. yeah. She, she has no one now. It's so sad. It was so bad for her. Yeah, the scene where she throws the fish into the river is like the voice actor did a very good job just screaming with like angst. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's hard to it's get through very, that one. 
Uh, yeah, it is definitely not like all the rest of the scenes have, were like, you know, fairly positive. There mm-hmm. were little bits here and there. And then, yeah, Sochi, it's just fucking heart wrenching. One of the things shit. I it's think just like, oh, no, you finally did good, but it was much too late. No. Oh. Yeah. One of the <laughs> things I think they did in the epilogue is they contrast like the vignettes between night and day. The night yeah. scenes are kind of the sadder endings. Well, the day ones are the more positive ones and all of hers are at night for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, characters I liked, this is sort of a, I guess, meta thing, but I really like Bruno and Jacob Yeah, for being like, Competent you lackeys? think they show up as like little <laughs> joke characters who are never going to show up again, but then they end up being just around and useful for like a huge amount of the show and like, they're actually pretty good dudes. It turns out they're not just random just lackeys. Too- just two guys who are a little dumb trying to get through life, you know? I relate to them. Just trying As to live through the war. Who, like, whatever's going to do I it. Wake up, yeah, I wake up. I'm stupid. I go to bed. I'm stupid. I wake up again. I'm still stupid. It's a tough it's life, but I get stupid. through I just felt it. that they always associated oh, themselves they, with bad people. They're kind of dumb. And they yeah. also, I mean, that's part of being stupid. As someone who is stupid, I can say from first-hand experience, sometimes you misjudge the quality of people. <laughs> so, like... I, I, yeah, I really like these two because, yeah, they're kind of goofuses, but they're not incompetent. Like, they they can do stuff. They're, they're just, just weird. Yeah, yeah. Little, little goofy. They're sometimes. just trying to get yeah. through a war. It's a fucking war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go to the next one. Uh, how does this compare to the other ones? I mean, we've watched G and we've watched Wing. I think well, I know where this stands between three those three. three. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, um, it. It actually manages to do the themes it's trying to do, whereas like Gundam Wing dropped them all over the ground nonstop. Dropped uh, over the, the ground Gundam. and tripped and fell over them rolling around in the <laughs> dirt. Yeah. 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 And they somehow also tripped. Well, they already fell over and they tripped again somehow. Mission um, accomplished. But, yeah. God damn it. Yeah. G Gundam, I, I don't feel like it's fair to compare, obviously, because G Gundam is just it's like his a own kung thing. Fu film. Yeah. It's his own thing. Yeah. It's a martial arts show is, rather than a Gundam, really. Yeah. yeah. G Gundam is, was someone saying, what if I don't do a war story just this once? <laughs> like, and that's kind of what. <laughs> happened um i think compared to the other ones i've seen though this is definitely the best gundam i've seen personally yeah in terms uh, of characterization I, I, by I far know. yeah it doesn't hit a lot yeah. of the political stuff that some of the other gundams do but it's character very wise human. like i it's yeah. hard for me to think of a gundam piece that does better characters than this it's a character piece for yeah. sure too like i mean it literally presents you the same character twice from two different angles so that you can see more of her experiences despite being like they successfully created a character who's in two places at the same time <laughs> and made her relatable and it works and like that's pretty yeah. incredible yeah like that kind of thing is really hard to pull off and they did it they managed to make someone experiencing both sides and still be reasonable and rational which wow good stuff um, did anyone's death surprise you? Did anyone living to the end surprise you? I know personally, the I, first time I watched this, I thought Poe had a death mark on her head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Phil. Poe and Phil, I kind of expected to die at some point. I already mentioned that Corrin, I expected him to die way earlier. Yeah. Corrin, yeah, you I expect- did like how 
quick and dirty Jim's death was. Yes, yeah, it, that was it perfect. It really was just Jim and Swetson both. Like just the fact that there's no glory in their deaths. They were caught up in the horrors of war and just vanished. Like Swetson in particular was literally like, I'm gonna help you out. And he's like, No, I'm an asshole. And he's just gone because yep. of that. Like just just I'm a wild bastard and an incarnation of war and destruction. You can't help me. And it's just <laughs> like, nope, turns out you could not help him. And <laughs> goodbye, Swetson. And I really like that in that same basic fight like Corin actually does get an extremely heroic death he gets a line where he's like I hope in the future the turn a will determine the yeah. world's course kind of you know like the whole thing happens but Jim and Swetson don't get that very deliberately like mm-hmm. it's set up so well I am surprised Maribel lived and in, in that yes. same vein I kind of expected her to go out with Jim yeah yeah that makes sense um and that was another thing too, like the fact that, especially in the epilogue, where she's just chilling with Gwyn on that boat, it's kind yeah. of strange because, like, she of the two between her and Jim, she was by far the more bloodthirsty one. She wanted him to do the coups and all that, and she just kind of gets out of it. But, yeah, I kind of expected like Corrin to have killed her there in that uh, bandit fight, mm-hmm. but but she lived through that. I kind of thought that would be the end of her, but and she's willing to walk away, and I think that's really like that's the big true. difference, right? That's what it was. Like, Jim refused to walk away mm-hmm. or stop. When things were clearly getting out of hand, he just kept leaning in. Whereas Maribel was like... Same with Swetson, yeah. Yeah, whereas Maribel was just willing to say, like, oh, too far. <laughs> like, okay. Mm-hmm. Too, too many. I'm out. I'm, I'm going to do some clown flips out of here. So take easy, everyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the series has a lot of themes about reoccurring cycles, obviously. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think humans are meant to... Med- repeat the mistakes of their past it's kind of a major theme i think the biggest thing about it though is that your main character spends literally the entire show fighting against that like he doesn't want the gundam to be the weapon of war if he wanted to he could have snapped his fingers and committed gym level war crimes but he doesn't and he actually kind of gets out of it, you know? They literally start stacking additional ways to end the world on top of him. Like, they're like, oh, he's got the Moonlight Butterfly, but here, let's also pack him full of nukes. Yeah, like, they just really needed to make sure you understood that Loran could very much be a humongous problem and is doing so much work to avoid that. Yeah, also, like, me having seen most of these, kind of taking a step back and looking at it from, like, the meta angle. Like, Gundam does, especially the series, do kind of do the same story over and over, the anti-war spiel. And, like, this is obviously supposed to be an end cap to all of that, you know, having to deal with the dark history and whatnot. And, honestly, I think this does it far better than a lot of the other <laughs> series that do the same thing. So, it's... It's interesting, especially, like, the first time I watched this and I saw the dark history stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. And now, like, it it can't, felt kind of, like, campy at first. Like, oh, you know, they're kind of referencing stuff that came before. But, but like, I really loved, like, that they went all in with it, that it is not just that it is the history of all other Gundam. It is literally the other Gundam shows yeah. that we are going to put in front of you, the viewer. That's the the dark history stuff. Like Yeah, like, you see all these, like, the Bajorans and stuff. Idiots. <laughs> Yeah, you see the Bajorans and stuff of like, oh, they're referencing Zaku's and stuff. I get it. This is supposed to take place later. But the fact that like, they don't go into the events of the previous Gundam shows, but end up like saying like, hey, this is going to keep happening unless we you know, move past it. That is the point of the show. And I do like, I also do like the implications as well that 
if you watched Gundam Wing and it was an actual representation of events, it would be so horrible and confusing <laughs> that you'd just start crying. It, it would leave you with a terrible fear of Gundams forever. No, that's yeah, totally, I, I also, a few times, started crying while I was watching Gundam Wing just for entirely different reasons. It totally makes sense why Corn has PTSD over it. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it really, like, I mean, but, like, it, jokes aside, if you thought about it from that kind of perspective, like, yeah, they regularly like, commit, like, horrible actions. Remember that time that one dipshit just flew up and killed a bunch of pacifists for no good reason? <laughs> yep. Like, some guy yeah, it was a bad time. colony. Yeah, sad, just kind of on a lark. Ayn Rand's yeah. father died. <sighs> God, fucking Quattro. Okay, um, <laughs> let's get into some moral stuff here. Uh, do you think it was right for Diana to try to emigrate everybody back to the moon? Or back to Earth from the moon? Like, obviously the people on the moon originally at some point lived on Earth thousands and thousands of years ago, but, like, was it cool for her just to kind of show up? And I say, think hey, her specific here? action came from a very selfish place, but that... You know, that's always what it's going to be about. At the same time, the fact that she kind of left it to people who are like, well, let's just fucking take it and declare a fiefdom and see if anyone stops us. Not yeah. quite so good. I think the intention wasn't inherently bad, but the handling of it from beginning to oh, end was pretty botched. God, and Phil. <laughs> Phil. What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, people. It, Phil. Like, between Phil and Gwyn, I don't think uh, Deanna ever stood a chance at making this go smoothly. Yes, to be fair, she kind of picked the worst person giant idiots. on she Earth. She Jim. No, on Earth to negotiate. I'm talking about like, well, oh, unfortunately, yes, she didn't Gwyn, pick yes. Gwyn. It was just a matter of Gwyn was the first person yeah. to yeah. successfully get the signal and be able to communicate. And of course, because he was like, oh, yes, I have future technology because I'm the uh, president of uh, Earth. Yes, Raytheon. that's me. Hello. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seem to, like, I get what you're saying. Like, she wanted to make the. So, throughout the entire series, Diana does seem to have the best interest of her people in mind. But yes. she has also said that, like, she wanted to go to Earth to lead a peaceful life because she wanted to go see Will Game again and just, you know... She didn't seem like she wanted to deal with her responsibilities as queen. And so, like you said, like, yeah. kind of... It, this may have been the thing that sparked off her whole emigration to Earth idea is one kind of from a selfish place, even though, like, it may have benefited her citizens farther down but the But it line. had to happen eventually. Um but I, I feel like so much weight was put on this poor, yes. like, 19-year-old. She's, despite the fact that she's been in cryostasis for hundreds of years, she is she's 19. young. She's so young. Experientially. And they, they keep bringing her in and out to do these things. And so much weight was put upon this poor yes. girl. Imagine if, imagine if every three years of your life, it's the... The future went forward 50 years, and you had to readapt every three goddamn years of your life. For like two more change. generations. And people expected you to be... She's basically like a god yes. to the moon, moon race. She's not a person. Yeah. She's not even a queen. She's like, like a goddess. Ideal. Yeah. yeah. Like, how, how does any 19-year-old deal with that? Like, ever? I... She is so put upon that her selfish wish for an Earth life is completely understandable. Done with this bullshit. So on that point, then, do you think it was right for Diana to swap with Keyhill and do the whole switcheroo? I mean, obviously, for the, yeah. for the sake of story, it had to. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, personally, it's just a matter of, like, that's way too much to put on her. And Keel apparently was handling it really well. Like, whether or not their intentions were good up front, clearly the right person ended in the right position long term, you know? Yeah. So. 
I don't think Diana could have gone back and led the moon people. After everything no. that she After did. After everything. Um, Harry kept talking like, about how sorrowful her eyes were and everything. She seemed like she was just over it. Yeah. Like, she, she, like, well, yeah, Harry's saying that she's just so full of pain and, and her. I don't think she could have gone back. And oh. I think Kehill can go on. Then there's that scene in the middle of the climactic battle that feels so out of place where she's literally sitting there like, I wonder if I'll ever remember my mother and father again, where literally the fate of the universe is being decided. Like, that's kind of the level... Of how over it she of is. Of detachment that she has from this. And she still does what she needs to do, activating the barrier to, like, stop the spread of it. But... She still cares, yes. but she's clearly tired. Yeah, th- yeah, that's what that last scene before the epilogue is. Like, her, she just, like, yeah. falls into her chair and is done. The, the weight of the world is literally on her. Yeah. And has been on her for hundreds, hundreds. of years. Uh, so let's get a bit philosophical. Do you think Jim's a whole assertion that humans will never overcome their history of violence is going to work. I mean, we as a species are pretty stupid. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that's one of those questions of like, do you think in 500 years people will be different? I'm like, probably. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what way, but probably. I, I think I have seen, I have personally been born before the internet existed and then after the internet existed. And I saw how much shit went crazy in 20 years. So, mm-hmm. like, I think it would be a little pretentious of me to say that in 500 years, humanity couldn't be a completely different, you know, group of people as far as how they approach philosophy and thought. So, hmm. that's we'll my take. Figure out which it. Gundam universe we'll end up in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we SMG. Um, yeah. Do you agree with Agrippa saying that a human should have shielded knowledge from the darkness? No. So Agrippa was like, hey, if we don't know about the past, it can't hurt us. No, Agrippa was an idiot. Because well, the yes, past Agrippa is a way of, idiot, of catching but... up with you. Ignorance is bliss doesn't work on a macroeconomic or macro-social <laughs> scale. Like, that's not how that works. You can't just say, like, well, if I just hide information from people, they'll never figure it out. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, oh no, they figured it out. Oh, they'll, they'll not <laughs> make the same mistakes if I just don't tell them what those mistakes were. Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's also funny that his name was Maintainer. Maintainer. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. You get like, it. It's like the Lando Calarizian, the guy you asked to land on this fave is named Lando. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what's, what responsibility do you think Sid, Horace, and Zenoa had for perpetuating the war? So these three assholes like didn't care about the, the war. They just wanted their cool tech. Do you think they had the any Silicon responsibility? Silicon Valley bros. It comes yeah. up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not think about Music our ethics or anything. Ethics. Let's just do, you know... It's the Jurassic uh, Park question. We'll, we'll, we'll just dig up nukes and killer robots. As long as Gwyn is, is giving me the money for this, I can't imagine that anything bad is going to come out of it. Like, I don't think any of the three of them, like, any of them had any particular malice or, like, wanting to want for destruction, but, like, no. their narrow-sightedness to unearth new technology, they didn't think about the implications of it. it. It's, yeah. it's definitely, there's definitely people, like, like especially in, like, Science, engineering, and and that sort of thing. I mean, I know a lot of them. <laughs> Do a PhD, you're gonna yeah, bump into you're, them. You're gonna meet a lot of them. They're awful. Uh, where they just don't think about the concept. They just think this is cool, and I want to see if it works. And they don't understand. Ethics should concept. be taught in engineering courses. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Oh my I agree God, with you 100. Please, please. <laughs> someone with a mechanical engineering degree. Jesus, please, please. Hi, yeah. it's me, the guy who lives in San Francisco and deals with tech pros all the time. Please. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Yeah, they um, just don't but, understand consequences. At least, like, from capitalism, from warmongering nature, like... Well, I yeah, like how you get, like, different degrees of, like, Zenoa, as soon as it, as soon as he is five feet away from a nuke, it is suddenly completely clear to him. He, he gets his ethics in all of about five seconds, and, like, completely believably so, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, the too, because... bombs will do that. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting, too, because, like, the three of them, like, Zenoa switches almost immediately when he sees that shit happen. Sid yep. eventually has, like, a uh, guilty conscience later on, and, like, he kind of flip-flops on it. Horus doesn't really ever seem to have to deal with the issue, and he just keeps doing what he knows. He, so. he realizes that, like, this one team is fighting for the right thing, and he joins them... But he never really comes to grips with, I did this. Yeah, Yeah, he never gets his own responsibility here. Like, he never takes responsibility for giving Gwyn all that technology. Yeah. And and a lot of this is just about, like, you know, selfish obsessions or selfish fascinations and all that. Because that's Gwyn, right, as well, as Gwyn just also had this... And when I say fascination, I don't mean like, oh, that's fascinating. I mean like cult fascination, like as in I desire the knowledge of flesh, like that kind of shit. Like they were bordering on that with technology, right? And it was also I was born to rule the world and this is the way to do it. This kind of Gwyn's case, yeah, it was just an obsession with power. Well, that's actually kind of dovetails into the next one. Do you think Gwyn always had the aspiration for power? Because in the beginning of the series, he seemed like he just wanted to move tech forward for people on Earth. And then, like, as the series progressed and he saw what was at stake, he seemed to have more of these political leanings, especially when he started to negotiate more for... Um... It feels like that fascination was always in him. Because, yes. like, especially if... I, I did read it correctly, and it was from the beginning he rebranded Lauren as Laura just yeah. so that he wouldn't have anyone to contest his throne at the end. Like, that's some deep, schemey bullshit. And that's the kind of thing where, like... Um, another podcast I listen to, really good one, Lie, Cheat, and Steal. Uh, it's all about, like, different con artists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a really common thing for them is like, yo, they start that manipulation early just to try and get like the weird status obsession and stuff. And people get sick about it. Like there will be rich people who, you know, have no reason to do this, but will just do crazy shit for like a single small status symbol. And it's like, this is below where you were. Why do you care? And it's just like people get strange fascinations and obsessions. And it seems like. Gwyn kind of was real into this whole president of Ameria thing from pretty early on, I think. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, even without the Laura stuff, I mean, the fact is that he does trick uh, Queen Diana into thinking that he has way more power than he does for negotiations. That's true. And yeah. he uses that very early on to sort of push his own position in the militia and on Earth and with the moon people. He's Which is, again... A super con arty thing yeah, to do yeah. of just be like oh yeah no i'm the boss here yeah absolutely tell me everything you know like that kind of shit yeah <laughs> you say it enough it's eventually going to become true and it's also like his position at the start of the show is that he's not actually the lord of the territory he's the wealthy son of the lord of the territory like he's been putting all of his money into industrialization and it really feels like he's always had this unearned sense of importance of himself even if he is a really personable guy like that people do like it's always kind of felt like it has a bit of a darker side to it hmm okay i got some uh kind of silly oh questions now uh, who <laughs> oh do you boy. think was a worse character poe or swetson <laughs> the two failed <laughs> <Shit>. children <laughs> how 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 can i choose 
Oh no! <laughs> it's a Sophie's I think, choice. <laughs> I, I think Swetson is worse. I'll say it. I'll be the bold first step. I think Swetson is worse because at least Poe, like, it was due to losing and she was trying to impress someone else and, like, there was some reasoning behind it, right? True. Swetson was just like, I'm fat and mad. Swetson <laughs> That's is, it. That's is my just character. every hedonistic impulse. Swetson is yeah. awful, but Poe lost so many times. For what it's so worth. So many times she went up against Lauren going, this time I'll win. And every single time she lost. For what it's worth, Swetson I mean, never knowingly shot at a boot licking. <laughs> Is the other thing true, too? True. Like, think about it. Swetson died licking boots. That shit sucks. <laughs> like, how's that leather taste, motherfucker? Oh, like laser blade? That sucks. Like, yeah, but Swetson never like knowingly fired at a nuclear bomb. So, and po- yes, Poe fired <laughs> at a nuclear bomb, right. and she committed treason. Poe committed treason. She shot oh. a queen. Poe also cried over the treason aspect when she shot at her queen. Yes. Oh my god, they're both so awful. Um, maybe Swetson's less bad because at least Swetson is dead. <laughs> there you go. It's true. Poe was never convicted of all her war crimes. She's off doing archaeology. You no, know, that's now. a that's a good question too. Because episode two or something, she goes up the fill and she's like, "I know that I'm going to spend 15, 20 years in the slammer for this. Does she ever have to pay that?" Because, like, the yeah. epilogue just shows her hiking out with Sid in the Grand Canyon, so... War's a crazy time, I guess. Huh. Okay, this one, is, I think, is going to have some good Ooh. debate. Which is the worst way to die? And for a nomination, I have Goonie with the nuke to the chest, Tedith getting shot in the head while being judo-throwed, Will Game, <laughs> who had both arms and head of his mobile suit chopped off before losing his arms through the front cockpit, Meimei, who got karate chopped on the side of a ship by a mobile suit, Jim, who was destroyed by nanomachines, Cancer Moran, who floated back to Earth without any food or oxygen and then pro- presumably burned up, and Kotal, who just had C4 to his chest. I, I'm going to go with Cancer Moran. That's Same. Like horrific. Starving yeah. to death slash suffocating, well, depending on which system goes first. Oh, as God. it gets hotter and hotter. Like I mean, at yeah. least it went out with dumplings and booze, though. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, I have to agree with you on the aspect of like the slow death is probably the worst. I mean, like Goonie, a nuke the chest, you're not going to get well, the the You're like, just gone. Yeah. Like Goonie died Goonie instantly. Teeth yeah. died instantly. Jim probably died instantly, yeah. but it's hard to tell. That, that the might have been pretty bad. Did have might your be body be disintegrated by nanomachines? I don't know. You, you yeah. might be I around feel- for at least some of that. I feel like the death is a little less of an issue if it's so ridiculous that, like, the split second before you die, you can just kind of be like, ha man. And I feel like, <laughs> like, Goonie getting hit in the chest with a nuke, but it not going off, but it clearly about being to go. Like, that's just a pretty classic, just like, oh, man, this couldn't be, this couldn't be worse. I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> I would be feeling complete, like, dread and panic at that point. Like, I know I'd be toast, but, oh. like, you can't come to concepts with that in the short amount of time you have. Oh. For me, I would I would just have a laugh. It would absolutely <laughs> just be like, well, that's it. He didn't know what a nuke he, yeah, was. The thing is, he didn't know what the nuke is. He yeah, thinks it's a conventional explosion. Yeah. yeah he didn't really know he I, was going to die until he was vaporized. I, I do so. feel like if you knew it was a nuke that was about to go off from you and you had no choice, you kind of make peace with that because there's no running in the world that's going to get you away from <laughs> there's that. There's no but, way yeah. you're getting out of this If pickle. you think it's yeah. just a big explosion, it's like, oh God, is there some way I can do something? about this yeah i don't know like the cancer moron's probably the most horrific burning up on re-entry but yeah Will's the other one's probably are... pretty close too though yeah 
it was probably pretty gruesome. Oh yeah, he's like half his body was. Oh yeah, his his was pretty nasty. Yeah, losing your arms. Okay, so uh, next question: Ooh. the best minor character. I'm gonna put the caveat: less than ten minutes of screen time for this one. Uh, did did the lady with the cotton can in the end? Quartermaster. Have Quartermaster. Minutes? She's pretty good. Hot uh, she, air. She's less. She counts. <laughs> yes. Um, does Annis count? She did get a whole episode. Uh, I guess I'll count her. She only shows up that That's one time. That's the problem. Is I feel like I she gets in on a technicality. Are with less than ten minutes on screen. I guess. Oh, Chungus Child. Chungus Child. Chungus Child. Chungus. Chungus. Winner. I was literally gonna say any kid that acted that acted like Corin was being weird and was like, "You're being weird, Mister." <laughs> so that probably falls directly into Chungus Child. So I was gonna say the two twins shit. on the moon are pretty fun too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some good. Uh, I just like just brought this up because I do like the fact that even the minor characters that get no screen time have characterization to them. Yeah. So you get like five minutes on the screen and you're fine. Like they got fucking Aquaman who have one episode in the show. <laughs> also, shout out to that secretary kids. for uh, fucking Agrippa's secretary. She doesn't yes. have a yeah. single line. She just sits there on her fucking iPad the entire time. <laughs> And yeah, shout out to the show for making a bunch of kids that aren't obnoxious and are actually fun and funny and like, oh, those are children. Very good children. Perfect. And then they move along and you're like, and I'm not, glad they're gone, but I liked dying, when they were here. Not dying horribly <laughs> more. Thank you. Yeah. And the last question I have, does Harry Ord really count as a char? I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, her only char is fucking Zex Marquis. Zex so. Marquis, I would say, is more of a char than Harry Ward. <laughs> I think I love the thing Harry. is, Harry fits a lot of the qualifications of a char, but he also like he's fundamentally and philosophically way different. different and I, I have the question though is like what yeah. makes a char? So first off, right. you need something blocking your face, a mask. Yes. He qualifies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously. Um yeah. a penchant for the color red. Not really. He has the red sunglasses, but he doesn't have like the red uniform or the red suit. Yellow, um, if anything, is Ar- Harry's Argyle color. is definitely <laughs> yeah. Harry style. Gold. Um, yeah, golden Argyle. The char has to have damn. like a uh, inflated sense of self-worth, like a superiority thing going on, which he does. I'll, I'll give him that. He has a I little mean, bit of that, but it's also fair, in check and and also earned. He's, like, he's awesome. actually that good. He's well, that I mean, Char awesome. is good too, so. <laughs> well, yeah, Char is also that good for what's And uh, one, one thing I will say, needs a... Special variant on a suit of of the general fleet that is somehow True, faster yeah, or that. stronger or yep. something, and he's got that because he's got the gold sumo. Yeah, he has to have like an antagonistic and almost pessimistic outlook on the world, which I don't think. I think he yeah. did at first when he was dealing with Lauren. At first, mm-hmm. he seemed pretty negative about everything and seemed very much just uptight military defender guy. And it was just kind of he humanized over the course of the series. I, like I don't know. I feel like that's one that. Harry just didn't really have that, probably because he was under a leader that was actually good, yeah, as opposed that to does yeah. thinking of all the other Charles uh, <laughs> don't have a great track record with picking the winning side. Leadership. Yeah, I was trying to remember, what was that one guy's name? The guy who built the Epion and was like a big loser? Oh, Trace uh, Kushinada, yes. How could you forget yeah. our boy Trace? Trace. Look, his Kushinata. war ended all wars. That's why this show doesn't exist. Trace let a yes. baby drown itself, Kushinada. <laughs> I mean, if it makes the baby stronger, if it dies, Trace Kushranada. Yeah, so I, I think that's more of a, uh, it's kind of like how people go to see films for the actor, but, you know, who the director is, is a much clearer indicator of the film's overall quality. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's all the questions I had, unless you got anything else to talk about. This show is great. Uh, this show is it very good. good. This show's really good. It's one yeah, of the best Gundam shows. I'm, I'm going to be sad to, to see it go. Oh, you know, I mean, I know that. especially with what's, what we're going to have to watch next. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, everybody. So, I mean, y'all know the drill. I, it's not like I'm going to announce it as a big spoiler or anything, because, like, we watched, you know... Paul Blart Mall Cop 1, then Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, and we just watched Grown Ups 1, and you know what that means, folks. There was money to make in a Grown Ups Chinatown. We're watching Chinatown, right? (laughs) That's right. We're watching Chinatown. No, uh, next time on Podcast of the Gundam Heroes, it's that time of the season again. It's time for Grown Ups 2. Forget it, Jake. It's Grown Ups 2. Uh, So, till then, space anime. Space anime. (laughs) Oh, no.